Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Uh, welcome again. Great to be with you tonight. And thanks for coming. You know, I know that many of you stare at screens all day and that gets old. So I really appreciate you coming and looking at a screen uh, yet again. I know you could be working on, you know, studying for an exam right now or prepping for the vice presidential debate or I don't know what else you would want to do but uh, I'm really glad and thankful that you're here and uh, this is RUF and RUF is a place for Christians to be equipped and to serve and it's a place for those who aren't Christians to explore who Jesus is and what the Bible says and uh, we look at the Bible each week and we're going through this series on the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is most famous sermon and uh, we're coming to a section tonight uh, just to prep you like this is a section uh, I really like preaching through the Bible because it makes you look at passages that you might overlook and so this is one on the surface where you might be like okay doesn't seem that applicable but it is applicable Um, so I want to we're going to talk about a couple topics that even don't really seem that related but they are and uh think it'll be really valuable for us to spend time just kind of looking at everything uh, the Bible has to say, especially as opposed to like picking and choosing the parts uh, that appeal to us. So um, this is going to be from Matthew 5 uh, verses 31 through 37. Do we have those, Sophie? Okay, cool. There we go. Uh, Let me read it for us. Uh, This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Uh, He says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Uh, let me pray for us again really quickly. Uh, Father, guide us now as we look at your word. Uh, send your spirit to apply it to our hearts and make us different, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so it's debate season. I, did anybody who watched the debate, the Trump, the it was pretty awful, right? The debate. Uh, and then this Saturday night was the much anticipated Saturday Night Live spoof of the debate. And I watched that. And there was this part where uh, the moderator said to Trump, like, you took a COVID test before this, right? And he, uh, played by Alec Baldwin, crosses his fingers and he says, you know, absolutely, scouts honor. 
And it brought me back to the days, I don't, I don't care what you think about Trump or Biden. That's not the point. But um, it took me back to the days when I was a kid and like crossing your fingers really meant something like on the playground in my school. Like you could say anything and, and then later you could be like, nah, I had my finger, you know, like you said you were going to be on my team. Nah, I had my fingers crossed, you know, and it was this rule that like everyone accepted, like it hurt. But you would have to, like, there was no arguing with the fingers crossed rule. Uh, in Jesus's day, in, in the context of the passage we just read, it's that there, there, people had all these loopholes that they used to make God's commands more manageable. And as we've been talking about this semester, um, People in Jesus' day tended to look at God's law not as a blessing, but this burden, this way of kind of measuring themselves and checking off boxes, a way that they could, you know, measure themselves and say, I'm okay. Look at, look at my great life. And the problem with living that way, with like loopholes and, you know, managing God's rules and for the point purpose of saying I'm okay, is that the more you do, the more lonely life becomes and the more life becomes about you and no one else. You know, like when I was a kid, for instance, and someone would like promise me something and then later be like, you know, my fingers were crossed. Uh, you know, it was this rule that we all accepted, but it still hurt when it happened. Like it was about self-preservation only. And, you know, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and what we've said every week is that the starting point of the Sermon on the Mount is that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but yet Jesus has come as the king and he's come to usher in his kingdom, this new upside down way of living in our upside down world. And something we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks is that there's a cost to living like upside down. It's hard. And as we progress through the Sermon on the Mount for the rest of the semester, we'll see the commands just get more and more unmanageable. Next week, we'll even talk about loving our enemies. Uh, but tonight, uh, we come to two commands. And like I was saying before, at first glance, it kind of seems not that relevant to us. Uh, but I want to suggest to you that they're really relevant. And so I'm just going to hit them both up, divorce and oaths, and then we're going to kind of bring it together at the end. But uh, first of all, you know, when we talk about divorce, I just want to acknowledge divorce is extremely sad. I know it's probably hit each of us in different ways uh, in our families. And I just want to, you know, I'm sorry if that's you and, uh, and divorce, you know, I know from experience that it hurts. Uh, it wounds us. Uh, it is confusing. And I want us to think about why that is. Why do, when things happen around us, like divorce, why do they hurt our hearts? And I want to suggest that the reason they hurt our hearts is because uh, in the depth of our being, we know it's not supposed to be that way. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian thinkers of the 20th century, uh, made this argument where he talked about desires and satisfaction. And he said that he made this point that like, we don't long for anything if it doesn't exist. Like, I don't long, like we, the desires we feel only can exist if there's actually something there, like hunger. Like hunger wouldn't exist if food didn't exist. Uh, sexual desire wouldn't exist if sex didn't exist. 
Uh, we just don't have deep longings for things that don't exist. And so when we're, when we, our lives are touched by divorce and it hurts, what we're experiencing is this profound shock and confusion, this longing, in other words, for a world where divorce doesn't exist. And that's the world that Jesus has come to bring about. Uh, so what is marriage supposed to be like? Uh, we kind of saw the answer a little bit last week when we talked about Genesis chapter 2. Uh, in that passage, Adam, uh, God presents Eve to Adam, and Adam says, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it's this image of like a relationship so close, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, it's so close that I actually consider my spouse to be my own flesh. Like sh- her... She's me. Like, it's, it's so close. Uh, it's this relationship of loving and serving. It's this glorious picture of two becoming one and living for the interest of the other. And I want you to contrast that idea, that beautiful image, uh, with the way things were in Jesus' day. And we saw it in verse 31. Uh, Whoever divorces his wife, give her a certificate of divorce. Like, so what it's saying is that in Jesus' day... Uh, divorce was pretty easy. You just, they, they boil down the rule to just like, if you make sure you give her a certificate when you leave her. Um, and it was a real distortion of what the Bible actually said about a a divorce up to that time. Uh, and we see it in the old Testament. Uh, the law in Deuteronomy was actually that, uh, if you divorced a woman, you couldn't, and she married someone else, you couldn't like take her back. It was this way of like, protecting women like the law in the old testament was about protecting women because women were vulnerable in that day um and it's this law acknowledging that like divorce does happen sometimes but uh those who are hurt by divorce need to be protected and you fast forward to jesus day and they've distorted the rule and they've made it all about like self-preservation uh if you've got a good reason to divorce then it's okay which is kind of like today right uh, so it was the same in Jesus' day as today, pretty much. Uh, if you're unhappy, uh, you know, it's okay. Just, um, and, but Jesus says this, and so that's how it was. And Jesus says, but I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, uh, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, and just for the sake of clarity, like this obviously applies both ways. You know, Jesus lived in a world where men typically left women, uh, but it would obviously apply in the other direction too. But I want to just make a few observations about Jesus' teaching here. And the first is that it's not the exhaustive teaching on divorce from the Bible. Uh, there's other places in the Bible uh, that talk a little more in depth about things like, you know, what if, you know, Abuse, for instance, is another reason uh, that a divorce would be okay. Uh, So it's not the full teaching here, but Jesus is speaking in broad strokes here to make a point. God hates divorce. Uh, He hates it, and he hates it because he loves marriage. Marriage is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, So much so that when you leave your spouse, you actually drag them and their future spouses into sin with you, which is extra bad. Uh, That's how much God loves marriage. Now, I'm not here to judge your parents or rub salt in your wounds. 
uh, because the same Jesus that said this also uh, spoke tenderly to the adulterous woman and spent a lot of time loving adulterers. Um, and I want to offer hope. You know, the hope for divorced people is that, you know, first of all, this sermon where Jesus is talking begins with blessed are the poor in spirit. It begins with blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, so in other words, sinning doesn't mean you've lost God. And, and forever, it means that you desperately need Jesus. You need a savior. Um, but the takeaway is here's how much how Jesus approaches so much different than everyone else's. Here's Jesus's approach. Marriage, first of all, is wonderful. The Bible is just unanimous on this. Uh, it's wonderful. But if you approach marriage as a way to make you happy, you'll never be happy in marriage. No person will ever be good enough to make you ultimately happy in a marriage. But if you approach marriage as an opportunity to deny yourself for the good of someone else, to put someone else first in everything, in other words, to become like Jesus, uh, to bear the cost of loving someone, then marriage can be fulfilling because it won't be about the marriage. It'll be about God himself. Uh, so just, you know, personally, if you're dating someone and it doesn't seem like they're on board with that vision of putting yourself, or, you know, putting you ahead of them, uh, I promise you that won't magically get better. And, uh, you know, just you need to think about like, don't if marriage is good, then, you know, dating is a way to get there, but you don't need to be dating someone you're not going to marry. And the second thing is, you know, maybe you're, you're not dating someone and you want to. And I would just say to you, the, the best way to prepare for marriage is start loving people around. Start loving like your mom and dad better if you live at home or start loving your roommates better if you live with roommates or start loving hallmates better if you live on a hall. Uh, as, and as you meet people, and as you date, as you consider who you might marry, uh, I hope that you'll think of it in terms of finding a person that you can serve. Uh, not a person that will guarantee your happiness. So that's God's vision of marriage and why divorce is so, uh, why he hates divorce so much. But I want to move on to this idea of oaths. And this is, I think, even a little stranger to us. Uh, I'll just read it again because uh, so it's fresh. Uh, he, Jesus says, Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And I think this part is bizarre for us today because we don't really take oaths except in a courtroom maybe. But the background, uh, again, comes from the Old Testament. Uh, everyone knows that one of the commandments is do not lie. And we all agree on that. And in other places in the Old Testament, it expands on that a little and says, for instance, don't swear falsely by God's name. Uh, because you'll do damage to God's name if you swear by his name. Okay, so fast forward to Jesus' day now. This is how they took that. They were like, okay, 
it just says, don't swear falsely by God's name. So what if I, that means I can swear falsely if I swear by the temple or the gold of the temple, you know? So there was this kind of like hierarchy of like things you could swear by. And if you swore by Jerusalem, it was binding. But if you swore toward Jerusalem, it wasn't binding. It's exactly this. It's like, oh, my fingers were crossed. Uh, except in, translated into Jesus's day. And that might seem completely ridiculous to you, uh, but I want to suggest to you that we have plenty of similar rules uh, unspoken today. And here's a Yukon-specific one. I've been at Yukon for over nine years now, so this is my Yukon-specific rule. Backing out of plans and commitments is okay if you get super busy with school. Is that not a rule? Like, isn't that the rule that everyone, like anything, you can back out of anything if the excuse is like, well, I got like really busy with school or I I have a test next week or something like that. Um, Okay, here's some other rules. Um, Not replying to uh, like, it's a, if you don't want to commit, it's acceptable to just say nothing. Uh, this is why the interested button exists on Facebook events now. It didn't used to exist, and now you can click interested. It's like a non-reply. It's like, you know, maybe. It means nothing, right? Or, uh, you know, some you can just not reply to a text message instead of giving a definitive yes or no. Uh, and Jesus is responding to what people had done with God's commands here. And so Jesus' response is, just don't swear by anything. Just tell the truth and never back out of a commitment. Don't give people a reason to question whether or not you're telling the truth. And I think we've all been like, haven't you been there where someone like commits to plans with you and in the back of your mind you think like, it's probably not going to happen. I have a friend, a really funny, good friend of mine from college and his thing like, he had this like mind game he did with people where he would just like make up ridiculous stories like he would meet someone new and be like yeah i'm on the olympic hockey team and it wasn't to like like the whole point of it was just to see how far he could take it and so he'd be like yeah we had practice like in denver last week and people be like wow really like how long have you been playing and he would just off the cuff just make up like these insane stories not to be malicious but just to like because he thought it was kind of funny or something and uh, the result of that, of stories like that, is that like I, my friends and I just stopped. Anytime he said something like remotely unbelievable, we would just be like, no. Like if he called me tonight and was like, my wife is pregnant, I would be like, no, she's not. Shut up. Um, so I don't believe him because I've heard too many of his stories. Um, you know, we won't be able to be trusted uh, like we're supposed to be if we're not people of our word. Uh, so Jesus calls on his disciples to be different than everyone else. And remember, this whole sermon is about how we can reflect God's goodness, his character to the world. And here's it's just a simple way we can reflect his goodness. Uh, the word of a Christian should be so reliable that no one asks for more. Uh, and, you know, the way I would pull these, all these ideas together, marriage, oaths, like the big idea is integrity, right? In both of those examples, being true to your word, 
Uh, he, Jesus just gives two big examples of integrity, and they both have a huge cost, right? Like staying in a marriage because you said you would, even though it's hard. Or like not backing out of plans, even though it might cost you a letter grade. Or, you know, whatever it is, or not backing out of plans, even though a better plan came around. Like, that's the reason we can't commit to plans is because we're like, you know, I'm not going to commit now because like, what if something better comes around and I miss it? Uh, So how do you become a person of integrity? Uh, You should know if you've been coming to RUF, you should know by now, it's not something that you can like will. It's not something that you can just like well up in your own heart. It's something that actually springs out of a heart that's changed by Jesus. Uh, You become a person of integrity as you come to know what God is like, what Jesus shows us about God. And what all these commands do is they show us like these, these really hard commands to follow. They show us like this is actually exactly what God is like uh, God is always faithful. He never, ever backs down from what he said he'll do. Uh, And God's people in the Bible continually forsake him. It says in the Bible about God's people that they whore after other gods. And that is meant to be a picture of what we are like. And what this is saying about God is that he never forsakes his people. He continues with his people until the end. He's always true to his word. And the cost is so great. The cost is actually like tearing himself apart. Coming to the earth and dying. And the biggest promise he ever made was that he was going to fix our world. The first promise he ever made in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, is I'm going to fix this. My good world is going to be restored. And how can you trust that's true? How can you not, how can you trust that he's got something good in store for you, even if you feel like you're missing out? Uh, Because he actually died already to keep his promise. He's already paid, he's already borne the cost. Uh, So as God's commands get harder and harder, and they're going to get harder, what we see is that there's more and more of a cost. And what that shows us is that more and more of how much God must love us. And the more you know this God, the more that you'll become like him. Uh, So I'll just close by kind of just telling you guys like, Go be people of integrity. Do it for God's glory. Do it because God uh, is the never-changing, promise-keeping God uh, who pursues his people in love. Uh, Let me just close by praying for us. Uh, Father, we are not on our own people of integrity. Uh, And I just think of myself and all the ways uh, I seek to get out of things that I've committed to. Uh, ways that uh, I don't want to follow through and uh, how unfaithful I am to you. And I thank you that you're faithful still. I pray that we would know your faithfulness and that we'd be changed at our core by it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.